The Olympics are here, and we have a great guest here in Belo Horizonte. I learned how to pronounce the city's name here in Brazil. Carly Lloyd, ahead of USA New Zealand, the Olympic opener on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. She's the reigning world player of the year. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, pretty good Portuguese right there. Not bad, Excellent. huh? Yeah. I think uh, it sounds a little affected, but I like saying it. <laughs> um, so you've been here for a few days now and get ready for this tournament to start. There's a lot of games in a small number of days, especially to start out here. What has your experience been like in Belo Horizonte so far? You know, honestly, it's been great. I know the, the media hype back at home has been uh, a little worrisome, but honestly, I haven't been worried one bit. Um, just looking forward to the, the game starting. Uh, the people here have been great. The food's been great. Um, really, everything has been been awesome. Um, you know, the Wi-Fi's a little spotty. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, everything is has been great. The training pitches have been been great. Um, mm -hmm. We've gotten some great trainings in, and okay. we're ready to go. So looking okay. forward to it. Nice. I, what is it like? And you've had this happen before because you played in previous Olympics. This sort of like dislocation from the main city for the Olympics is that weird? What what is that like? It is weird. I think uh, for us. You know, we almost do feel like we're just in a separate tournament for a little bit um, until you, you know, start to maybe get closer to Rio and you see all the Olympic posters and, and all the, the hype around that. And once the games start, I think the opening ceremonies start, uh, our TVs will be on, we'll be watching all of the events as much as we can. Um, but it is a little bit different and uh, it, it may be even a little bit more different playing in these in these certain venues with not a lot of people at the games. We're not sure what to expect, but at the end of the day, we're going after a gold medal and nothing should get in our way of, of doing that. Now you have won the gold medal in 2008. You've won the gold medal in 2012. Um, I have kind of a random question. Where exactly do you keep your gold medals? My medals are just in uh, a safe I've got at home. Okay. They, don't, they don't come out very often unless they're needed for a shoot or... Uh, okay. Hopefully we, we get the gold here and my medal will, will probably remain out for me, I would say, for another six months after the, the Olympics. It's not something you bring out at dinner parties, your previous gold medals? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, unless I have some, some random family members or friends who are, have never seen a medal before and I'll whip them out. And it's, it's cool, actually, because you, you have them put away for, for so long. And then you get them out and it just sparks memories and um, just an amazing feeling. You're going to think I'm a total nerd here, but I've always thought that if you win a World Cup that, as you have, that in like other sports in America, you should get a ring, like a Super Bowl ring, but like a World Cup ring. And you could wear the ring around and basically walk into a room and, and everyone knows you're a World Cup champion. To be honest, I thought we were getting rings. Oh, seriously? I got to follow up with that. Yes. I had heard a rumor that we were getting some rings. Um, even if, you know, these rings weren't provided, um, I, I, I think it'd be cool to have, yeah. you know, the team all have a ring. I mean, why not? Every other sports team that wins something uh, like a world championship gets a ring. Do and, it. And I would sport it around for awesome. sure. Awesome. I would love that. Um, so... I'm not seeing any mosquitoes here. I've only been here for a few hours. Um, are you getting the sense that the, the Zika stuff was overblown? Yes, uh, especially with this being my third Olympics. 
you know, there's hype around Beijing, there's hype around London, and there's hype around Brazil. I mean, obviously, there are some things that are going on in Brazil. Um, but so far, I mean, everything has been great. And I think people are really embracing the Olympics. I actually have a friend who, who lives uh, about an hour uh, up in the mountains here. And um, she's like, you'll be fine. You're not going to get Zika. Manaus may be a little bit of a different story. <laughs> uh, you might want to bring your bug repellent. But, but honestly, I mean... It's just, it is what it is. They got to hype something up. And uh, for me, the way I approach it is, you know, I'm just ready to play, play some football and get over here and and not really worry about all these other things you can't control. Um, Just focus on my performance and the team's performance. So you got a 90 minute performance in the last U.S. game. Seems like you're fully back from your knee injury. Is that accurate? Are you 100% now? Yeah, absolutely. I feel really good. I think uh, getting 45 against South Africa was probably the right amount of time. And then I went home uh, for, you know, 10, 11 days and, and busted out lots of double days uh, with James. And um, it was just, it was great. The timing of it was great. I think I'm more prepared going into this tournament than probably any other tournament that I've been a part of, um, just as far as feeling fresh and ready to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, my knee feels great. It was great to get the 90 minute game in and, um, you know, had still, you know, two weeks to, to keep pushing on the fitness, the game fitness and feeling really good. Now I wanted to ask you about a a brief Twitter exchange we had in June and this was during Copa America and Fox was showing the Copa semifinal that got rain delayed. And so Fox decides to show the U.S. men losing 4 nothing, the replay to Argentina the night, from the night before. And I think you kind of had a question mark on your, on your Twitter, <laughs> and I was just like, in reply, uh, I tweeted like, you know, maybe they should have shown the Women's World Cup final with your yeah. hat trick. <laughs> and your response to me was interesting. It was like, um, that's old news. And I kind of laughed, but I got the sense you weren't totally joking about that. Is that kind of how you're looking at it? Absolutely. I mean, of course, when the World Cup finished, I rode the wave for for a little bit, for quite some time. Our our team did. Um, But I I think every great player and every champion player, the mindset is what's next. And so for me, finishing that World Cup, I'm like, okay, Rio's next. That's the next big thing. And uh, it is old news. While the World Cup was was amazing um, you know, it was, it was great to have scored three goals in a world cup final, but I still have a lot more that I personally want to achieve. And I don't want people to just be like, Hey, that was the girl in the world cup final. You know, I want, I want my legacy to be over multiple tournaments. Um, so, you know, I've got another four years, um, this particular tournament first, that's all I'm focusing on now, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've moved on completely. I'm totally different player, totally different mindset, and ready to go. So answer this question for me: True or false? The current U.S. Women's National Team plays better soccer than the World Cup champion U.S. Women's National Team. I would say true for sure. I think the the style of play has changed immensely. Uh, as well as the personnel. We've got a lot of different people playing. Um, we are a, a more sophisticated team. We find different ways to break down teams. Uh, our defense, I think, is, has still been improving. Um, they were so solid and, and amazing, uh, the back four, along with Hope in the World Cup, and I think they're even better now. 
um, especially out of the, you know, the, the flanks being able to attack out wide. So I think overall the talent, the depth is there. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is going to be the mental aspect of the game, is keeping these younger players um, confident, making sure they're, you know, they're doing okay. If they make a mistake on the field, telling them it's okay, head up, you know, focus on the next play, that type of thing. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, is kind of you know, 11 new players who have never competed in Olympics. Um, that's going to be the most challenging thing, I think, on and off the field. Personally, you have always seemed to motivate yourself in large part through what you see as people who doubt you or think you can't do something or maybe don't give you full respect. You've made it. You've really made it now, Carly. Like, you're the World Player of the Year. Uh, everyone says you're the best player in the world. It's like, how, do you have, how has that impacted how you motivate yourself? Has it changed things? Well, I think I, I reached the point where I'm capable of getting, but I still think there's more. I mean, I'm motivated to accomplish so much more in the next four years that I have. Um, I can become more uh, fit. You know, I can become a better player. Uh, there's still things that I need to work on. And I think I'll always be motivated by people who, um, you know, doubt me. I think when you're at the top, there's always people wanting to see you fail. And there's no greater satisfaction than continuing to prove those people wrong. Um, it, it happens all across the world. I mean, all the best players, you know, there's, there's players, uh, you know, take Messi, for example, misses his PK and then, you know, just getting completely trashed. But, I mean, he's, he's one of the best players in the world. Um, so that, that's always going to be there. And for me, I, I'm always going to find some sort of motivation to, to really step up my game. I guess my question is, how much of those doubters are real doubters at this point, and how much are you having to sort of manufacture that in your head? I think they're all around. <laughs> I think they're, you know, maybe sitting next to me. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're around. I mean, that's, that's what happens when you get to the top and you reach the top. I mean, you yeah. are a, a case for, for people wanting to see you fail. And, um, yeah, whether it is internal motivation for me to keep going, that's – that's who I am. That's what I'm about. But it's also, um, I've put a lot of work over the years, uh, a lot of training, a lot of training when no one was watching, um, just have dedicated my entire life. So to not continue to get better and not push on would really be a disservice to all of the work that I've put in over the years. Um, so in that regard, yes, it's, you know, proving people wrong, those doubters, but it's also, um, you know, just getting a satisfaction out of all the training that I've done to get right. better and to improve. Let's talk about specifics. You keep saying you want, there are things you want to do. I assume that means winning another Olympic gold medal here, winning another World Cup in 2019. Mm -hmm. Does that include winning a certain number of World Player of the Year awards? Well, being at the Ballon d'Or, um, it was one of m the proudest moments that I think I've ever been a part of um on an individual standpoint i mean world cups olympics with the team is is something truly amazing but to reach that point to be in a room full of some of the best players in the world on the men's side and even on the women's side um it it makes me want to go back again like i want to be back there next year and the following year um that's that's the sort of motivation i have and 
of course, winning this this Olympics is is the number one priority. Uh, the next World Cup and the next Olympics. I mean, every event that I play in, I plan to win. And uh, you know, there's there's no other uh, ifs, ands, or buts with it, really. <laughs> nice. Um, it's crazy for me to think back to four years ago on the eve of the first game from four years ago that you were a non-starter by the coach's decision, which floors me. Obviously, you played the rest of that tournament after the injury happened in the first game, but what do you remember about all that and where you've come from with that? 2012 was one of the biggest turning points in my career uh, on a lot of different levels. I realized at that point that I need to go to tournaments alone and not have any friends or family, boyfriend, fiance there. Um, I realized that I can't take my foot off the pedal. If I have one bad half, if I have one bad game, I could get yanked. And that's exactly what happened. I had a, a bad half um, when we played uh, in, in Philly and uh, lost my starting spot at that point and had to crawl my way back. I didn't know if I was going to get in. I didn't know if my, my career was going to continue. I honestly didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, spending, you know, 10 days at home doing double, triple days with James and him telling me, look, you can either crumble or you can rise to the occasion and be ready for any particular moment that you have over there. You're going to get your moment and you just have to seize it. And so getting that moment the first game after 16 minutes – I didn't think it was going to be that quickly. Unfortunately, Shannon Box went down, and I had to, to step in. Uh, went in there against France. We were down 2 nothing. We come back 2-1, 2-2, and I score the third goal, 3-2. Uh, we finished 4-2. And it was just an incredible moment. I mean, I look at that tournament, and I think what people don't realize or, or maybe they don't uh, often talk about was how consistent I was over that whole tournament. I think from start to finish – um, I was super consistent. I did my job. I was a defensive midfielder. I did my role, scored some goals, um, and really overcame a lot. And, and I think uh, not only did, did I have more belief in myself, but I think obviously coaches, uh, players, you know, it's, it's kind of used in a, as, as an example um, to, to, you know, proving people wrong and, and coming through in a, in a big way. You mentioned France from four years ago. You have them again in the second group game here. Some people are saying France has a team that could win the gold medal. Um, what do you, I mean, obviously New Zealand is the game coming up. Those first two games, New Zealand and France, what are you expecting out of those games? Well, I think New Zealand is, is going to be a tough game. They compete. They work hard. Uh, you know that they're going to give that every single game. And uh, they have some, some pretty fast uh, players up top. I know they, they usually typically play with one up top. So it's, it's going to be a tough game. And they're going to be organized. They're going to be compact. And we're going to have to really finish off our chances. Obviously with France, France is a, a great, talented team. They've done well. I think the thing you know with, with our team is that we can have the uh, extra edge and, and I think that's a mentality. When we put teams on their heels and when we intimidate teams and we bring that mentality, um, it, it frustrates teams. It puts them off their game. And, you know, I think with, with France, they're, they're a great team. They have all the talent in the world to, to go all the way. But I think uh, 
the intimidation factor and the mentality is what we have over many of these teams. Um, and, uh, you know, we're able to get the job done by, by bringing that mentality. This Olympic women's tournament, as with previous tournaments, has 12 teams. The Olympic men's tournament has 16 teams. Do you wonder why that's the case? I do, yes. It's, uh, it is a little strange. Hopefully in 2020, maybe it'll be even and equal. Um, I, honestly, I mean, there's a lot of teams that aren't here that, that could be here. Uh, yeah. To make it, you know, that more exciting Japan. and that more difficult. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if they've talked about that, um, but hopefully they have, and hopefully we can increase uh, the teams to, to be on the same level as the men. One big ongoing story with your team is the wage discrimination complaint against U.S. soccer that's still in the process of playing itself out. Do you think you guys will make some sort of statement, whether it's T-shirts here, whether it's some sort of other statement at the Olympics? I don't think so. I think right now, first and foremost, is just focusing on, on Rio. Uh, we've put all that aside. It's, it's going to take a while. I mean, negotiations with anything take, take a long time. Uh, so for us, you know, we're in the Olympic spirit. We're, we're honored to be here. We're honored to be a part of it. Um, it's not really the right time and place to, um, bring that out. I'm not saying that after we win a gold medal, um, maybe some of us don't have some t-shirts on or we don't talk about it. Of course, yeah, <laughs> of course the, the topic will probably come up, uh, but we have to take care of business first. And, and honestly, you know, at this point, not looking further than New Zealand right now, focusing on one game at a time, one day at a time. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be an ongoing battle, and, you know, we just have to continue to, to fight for it. What is this challenge of playing three group games in seven days? What does that do to your body? How does that impact how you recover and get ready for the next games? I think you can really measure somebody who is, is fit and, um, you know, strong over the course of a tournament. When we play friendlies here and there, you know, any team can, you know, kind of stick at our, our level for, for a little bit. But when you play six games with two days of rest, I think um, we have three on, on one before the semifinal. Um, it's, uh, it's tough. It's a grind, especially with the flight schedule, where we have to go, how big Brazil is. Um, I think that's really how you truly measure and gauge uh, the fitness level. Mm -hmm. If you are flying from the first game and look extra fit and still flying by the last game, that's what it's all about. And that's how I train my body. I don't train my body to just be okay for one game. I train my body to be good for six games, to be you know, in overtime, in a final, still going, still sprinting. Um, that's what it's all about. And I think it's, it's going to be a lot harder than it was at the World Cup. At one point, we had five, five days in between our, uh, before our Columbia match. It's a lot of rest. It's a lot of time to give your body. So this, this is going to be interesting. I think uh, that's why it's going to require all players to, to really help out. Uh, we've got our 18 players here. We've got the four alternates. And it, it's really going to be um, you know, much needed that we use every single player, uh, especially with the, the lack of you know, many days in between. 
Carly Lloyd, thank you as always for speaking to the Sports Illustrated podcast. Good luck here in the Olympics. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.